With traffic, errands, and parking, cars can be a chore. But a great car can be an adventure, a getaway, and a prized possession. Whatever your budget or family require, there's a car out there you'll love. We're here to help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hey, and happy Friday. Welcome back to the podcast. You know what Friday means? Mm. That not only are we all done for the week, thank God, but tomorrow is Saturday, Saturday morning. I'm quite excited about because we are still releasing new episodes on Motor Trend Cable Channel right now. And tomorrow, Saturday morning, is one we have been impatiently waiting to share. Yeah, definitely. The C7 with the C8 mid-engine Corvette. We have what we, as far as we know, the first really good back-to-back video thing that's ever been done on it. It is coming out on Motor Trend Cable Channel. It is coming shortly to Amazon and Vimeo as well. Very excited to share all of this season. Now, we have already said the Step Brothers piece from last week, which was the 2-liter Supra and the 86, is coming to YouTube. This Vet one for right now is exclusive to television going on to Amazon Prime afterward, and I'm quite excited to share. Yeah, me too. We're just thrilled to be able to get into a C8. Yes, for sure. And uh, yeah, it was privately owned, so uh, thanks to the owner. Speaking of YouTube, you mentioned YouTube. I did, yes. There are changes coming for Everyday Driver. Happening right now behind the scenes, yeah. They are, as a matter of fact. We'll do a a more of a larger push and promotion for this. But as you're listening, I want you to know, if you go to everydaydriver.com, the second tab over from the left at the top. So second one is YouTube. And now we've got two. We are creating a second Mm -hmm. YouTube channel called Test Drive. Fast Blast themselves are being morphed and renamed into Test Drive because that's really what Todd and I are doing. So this This is more for the cars that we get from manufacturers that are the single car reviews, but that we recommend for you on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And it's important because people will ask us, well, have you driven blank car? I want to know. Totally. And so not only will we have those reviews coming as we continue to get press cars, but we'll be able to talk about them Mm -hmm. intelligently and hopefully, yeah, you know, recommend them or not recommend them on the podcast. So there are two now. So the main channel, the main everyday driver channel will continue with the things like Todd is talking about. So that Supra Mm -hmm. versus Toyota 86 piece that will land on the first channel, channel number one, the, the, Platinum channel, and then there's the gold. <laughs> I don't know about silver, bronze, well, and any other iron, we, lead, whatever. We expect the test drive channel to be watched by a lot of you and a lot of other people. That because what we found is that our fast blasts, honestly, were mostly watched by people that weren't subscribed to the original channel, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is one of the reasons we're making a new channel. But you can actually help us because we need a thousand subscribers in these first few weeks to allow us to unlock. There's all these little like extra treasure chests of YouTube availability. You can actually do that now because you pass this threshold of the right. thousand subscribers. Some of them Pandora's box. Seriously. Like, click there. We would like for you to help us to get to a thousand subscribers on that test drive channel, even if you're not a person that watches a lot of those like random CUVs. I get that if that's not you, but many people actually really like those and to make the channel what we want, we need at least a thousand subscribers. So again, if you follow that through the website, you can get there and subscribe for us, which would help us. You'll see a lot of old content being put up there, the old fast blast moving over there, as Paul mentioned, and then new stuff coming to that channel weekly starting in September. We've already got a backlog. We may even be doing two at a time. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Some other notes real quick for you all, and that is blipshift.com has our partner store. So if you go to blipshift.com, you can go to shop and partner stores. You'll find Everyday Driver, and we are going to continue to populate Blipshift with new designs. You can see quite a few of them there. But yeah, if you scroll down, you'll find Everyday Driver. Click on that, and that is our store for our all of our shirts. And like I said, continuing with designs, we needed a place for all these ideas that we come with the podcast. We needed a place for them to land. And so we're relying on Blipshift. So thanks to those guys for uh, helping us out with that. And speaking also of merchandise and who is doing what, we had a question on Facebook from Michael D. asking mm-hmm. for a show update. Kind of, you know, who is doing what? Who's That's where? It's been a while, yeah. And we haven't done a show update in a while, so sitting across from me is Todd. I, Todd. I, I've been here for a little while. Yeah. I am Paul. Mm, yes. But we do heard have Chance. I've Chance Hales yeah. is our shooter in Utah, shooter mm-hmm. and editor. He's doing quite a bit of editing. And we also have Edgar Perez. He is a stutter step behind Sergio Perez, the <laughs> F1 driver. No, I'm just kidding. No, he is in L.A., and he is a longtime shooter. He's been mm-hmm. with the show for 10 years now, I think. Something like that. I mean, all, he's not quite as long as we have, but he's been with us a long time. He kind of he actually found us pretty early on and said, I want to shoot with you guys. And he was pretty young and starting shooting, and he's been with us a long time. He's been a workhorse for us. He will actually be a little more involved in post going forward, which is very cool because that's his background. So Edgar's helping with that. Tom, who you may remember, was our European correspondent. Yeah. Yeah. Tom, I should tell this story really quickly. Tom <laughs> okay, went go. on to Automotor und Sport, which yes. is pretty much the premier 
car review magazine, not just in Germany, but in Europe. Yeah. Okay. And I'll never forget the call when he called me and was like really stressed <laughs> because he had had a great interview with them off of the work he'd done for the show and articles he'd written and other stuff. And he's, he's very talented. And he went in and he had a really good interview with him and they wanted to offer him a job. And he said to them, straight-faced, by the way, but I can still do videos for Everyday Driver, right? <laughs> and they said, no. <laughs> and so he called me like really stressed, like really conflicted. What do I do? And I was like, Tom, you stop doing videos for us and you go work for Automotor and Sport Indeed. because the stuff you're going to be able to do, the stuff he has done since oh makes gosh. Paul and I jealous. Oh, the yeah. number of oh, Nürburgring yeah. track days where it's just like, well, there's your car and the track is yours. That's their There's default track. Downing. That's the, well, we got a car to test, so where are we going? So well, of course. He does stuff for them and it's amazing the stuff he's done and he deserves it. That's been great. And then we also have Nate in yes. Chicago. You've probably seen that on our website and you've also seen it from the Cycle Report. He is continuing to do really cool pieces of motorcycle review but he is a car guy in his own right he autocrosses like crazy he also writes for the website which is very cool which brings me to writers yes, Nate yes. is one of six people that write for our website incredibly varied voices comes out every monday and wednesday we try to promote him as best we can depending upon how crazed we are to remember to do it and i apologize to those guys and we don't do it right away because they write really cool stuff on the website that's everydaydriver.com and the writings tab Two articles a week from those guys, and uh, those are very fun, too. Yep. Final shout-out to our director of merchandise. She is also a spreadsheet ninja, and that is Mandy Combs. <laughs> she has done she so is, much yes. for us for merchandising, just about everything else. You know, We can lean on her for so many different things, so big shout-out to her. And if so, you come to any of our meetups, Mandy is the person that organizes yes, the meetups. Exactly. She'll sit down with Paul and I, and we'll like throw 45 things at her, and she'll be like, okay, so it's going to go down like this, and, which is great. <laughs> yeah, so the, uh, the team is grown much to our surprise and uh with this second youtube channel that's our purpose is to continue to grow the channel and like i said thank you so much for your support and uh continue to proliferate the brand we love having you guys along for the ride we do have a very cool podcast for you because we've got uh, some cool car debates here two really good car debates and a ton of questions i'm not even sure how much we're going to get through but there's a lot we've got justin who is moving on from a classic bmw and we met justin in october 2019 when we had mm -hmm. our atlanta meetup yeah, yeah yeah and he's moving on from a classic bmw an e36 how is okay. e36 is now considered classics well I guess age but it's 20 25 years here i'll go you one further the uh, 300zx i love Classic car. Oh, no. Yeah. I guess that makes no sense. I'll go you one too. further. Music from the 90s, early 2000s. Now it's classic rock. Oh, man. You, you thought. You thought Yikes. it was the stuff from the 70s. It's now the stuff from the 90s, ladies and gentlemen. That is the stuff that is now welcome to classic rock. We what also, does that mean, the stuff from the 70s? Sorry. What does that mean, the stuff from the 70s is now? Ancient I rock? I don't know. Stone Age rock? Because when, when, when – okay, I'll, I'll go one. Sorry. I'm on a rant. <laughs> Once grunge is classic rock, what does that make actual classic rock? I'm I, confused. I, I, mm. It's in the same category of every 911 being turbocharged now. Because oh, yes. there's the turbo. I'm like, uh -huh. Well, yeah, it's got a turbo, but so does everything else. Well, and so does the Tycod, which doesn't even have a turbo. It still has a turbo <laughs> badge on the back. We're quite confused. No, yeah. Well, we've also got Colin H., who is writing to us. And Colin, I was extremely impressed by your email, who broke it down into every category, starting with P. The problem, the platform, the price range, the possibilities, the past, and the present oh, is how he broke down his entire email yes. and questions to us. He and his wife are growing their family, and they're looking for something low-priced to take the brood around in, mm -hmm. so something mm -hmm. ideally not previously slobbered in. So we'll get to that in <laughs> but, just a but, few minutes. But once you're low-priced, it's been previously slobbered, let's be honest. Pretty much. And we're not just talking animals and dogs. It's you know humans. Of and, course, you know, yes. This has, this has been pre-Cheerioed. That's really what happens when you're shopping used family cars. Is that a category? There is, is certified pre-owned. We can't I afford that. I don't care who detailed your car. If you had kids, there is a Cheerio buried somewhere. Yeah, there is. Guarantee you. You've heard us talk about drive homework because it's vital to drive a lot of things when trying to find your next car. Knowing your options is important. This applies to online shopping, too. You don't want to search just one website unless that site is searching all of the other ones for you. That's why we love Auto Tempest. I know you've heard us talk about it before, and we hope you've already seen how far you can shop with just one search. Auto Tempest pulls from all the top used car sites at once, so you know you won't miss a deal on that perfect car. Autotempest.com. All the cars. One search. All right. Starting off with Justin's email. He's been listening to the podcast. Justin, thank you so much. 
He brought up this E36 M3 mm-hmm. that he had entertained the idea of buying, and then he sold his Fiesta at that time and made that M3 his daily. I think, I think honestly, the, the tipping point based on Justin's email was he was with us at the meetup. And there were – honestly, the group was like one-third gray Fiesta STs. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's and, a, and there was a long line of cars. It's, it's the not greatest like, hits car. It's not like we had six cars and half of them. I'm talking like there were like four or there five gray Fiesta yeah. STs. We started making fun of it as being half the group because it seemed like it. Every time I would go, who's in the gray Fiesta? Like six hands would go up. <laughs> so I think Justin was like, I have to get out of a gray Fiesta ST as <laughs> right. awesome as it is something else. And he got this E36. Right. He says it's been great over the past year-ish or so of ownership, but that's not without the maintenance and repairs and mm-hmm. slight improvements because mm-hmm. as soon as you start fixing the thing, you're like, ah, well, while I'm in there and I got that taken apart, yeah. I got to go buy this other part that didn't really need replacing, but I guess I will. And so your bill goes up and he says, yeah, it's not cheap. He says, while the car and the BMW community have been great, it's time for him to move on okay. and buy something right. newer, but still fun to drive. New, newer? How, how how much newer Well, we going but, here? But that's the thing, though. He's up from E36. I mean, we're in classic cars now, so we can, we can, classic we can rock, come up. Classic I mean, rock, he's classic got, cars. look, his budget is as much as $35,000. We can go newer and still have a lot of fun. We can, and I might have spent a little bit more than that, Justin. Raise your hand if you're <clears> surprised. Wait, there's no hands going up. That's weird. <laughs> he has listed the M3 for sale. Anybody want to buy a really gorgeous blue E36 M3 called Justin? Let there us know. There you go, yeah. He's starting his initial search for a replacement. He's really interested in a BRZ, or 86, okay. Mustang GT, and Camaro V6 1LE listings. The next car, he says, will be a daily. It should hold up to commuting 500-plus mile road trips two or three times a year. And occasional mountain runs north of Atlanta, which is where we had the meetup. We had some great roads out there. $35,000 budget, as Todd said. Manuals preferred, but not necessarily mm-hmm. required for the right car if he can find it. Model year 2015 or newer. Darn it, that was the first time I was reading that. I skimmed. Skimming does nobody any good. <laughs> See, I had some other choices, but I'll say them anyway, Justin, because um, the thing that brought me to my choices was the next sentence when you said this doesn't need to be a forever car. Yeah, 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 that's good. Justin, I feel like you're the type of person that... Let me tell you how you are, Justin. (laughs) Let me tell you who you are. That would be happy with more turnover than other people. Mm -hmm. I think that's clear, yeah. That if, you know, the next car was about a year, and then the next car is about a year, year and a half after Mm -hmm. that, okay... I think you'd be fine with that. And so my choices were predicated upon using this as the benchmark, thinking instead of just naming the usual sports car choices in the $35,000 category, okay. I want you to go sample the more focused and fringe cars before you come back to hmm. the usual suspects. Okay. And I don't want All you right. to think, well, I'm writing to Paul, and he's just going to tell me to go buy a 911 or a Cayman and blah. He will tell you that. I mean, I, He will. might actually expand from there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I thought, okay, if you are acknowledging up front, this doesn't need to be a forever car. It needs to be the next car. Mm-hmm. But you're more interested in the subsequent experiences than you are of getting your baby. Sure. And this I is my baby. And I, I think that's fantastic. So yeah, that yeah. really changed my okay. headspace when shopping for you. Justin says his past cars have included a 2015 Civic EX, a 2013 Focus ST, and a 2015 of the same Fiesta ST, <laughs> and this aforementioned 1996 E36 M3. So if you said newer, I went past 1996, but 2015, maybe. <laughs> Because I thought all these choices, you know, BMW M2s, well, you've had a BMW already, Hyundai Veloster N, Civic Type R's, Cayman's, 911s, yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. But then I thought, ah, let's do something totally different. Okay. And I do want you to have a car that you feel you can count on. It'll mm-hmm, be reliable mm-hmm. enough. But what if it costs you less? What if Wait, you what? save Who some are you? money and, you know, you could just put a little bit more money towards maintaining a mm-hmm. slightly older car, but it's more about the experience for you in a platform mm-hmm. rather I than just, it. It. Yeah. Hey, it's pretty new. It's a sports car. And well, that probably means we can't get a manual and whatever. So I thought Jaguar F type. Mm. Okay. I thought even third gen Mazda RX seven. Going yeah. back. There'll be some maintenance there, but yeah, go on. Then I thought, Hmm. 2008 Aston Martin V8 Vantage Coupes are now under $40,000. Isn't that amazing? And they're the same car mm. as they were in, you know, 20... When they stopped selling them. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When they gave same them car. that terrible bottom feeder fish mouth, it's the same car yeah, until same then. Car. Yeah, and it got uglier, which is not good. And then I pushed harder. 
Alfa Romeo 4C. Oh, he's above price, but those are tempting. C6 Corvette Z06. Mm-hmm. Then I thought, well, if we're going there, let's look backwards to a C4 Corvette ZR1. Because <laughs> yeah, if you're having you're it, really old, but well, yeah. if you're having it for about a year, yeah, okay, all right. It's the experience for sure. him to say, "I sure. own that. Yeah, yeah, I spent yeah. less money than I thought. Mm-hmm. Enjoyed it. Now I'm ready for what's next." That's on and I'm moving on. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, I see where you are. But then I ended up kind of again at a BMW, well, not kind okay. of, but I thought it's newer than the car you have, but not quite a 2015. I found a 2001 BMW M Coupe, the shoe, the hot shoe. Oh, interesting. Okay. All Different, right. unique. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm looking for in all my choices for you, Justin, is something you wouldn't expect. Mm-hmm. We can stick with our same manufacturers, but all those cars, if you open yourself up past 2015, you can think, okay, there are some unique mm. things in there, not just newish, sports car, blah. I, I want you to kind of open yourself up to that. Mm-hmm. Hopefully I'm, I'm just saying I'm kind of all over the map here. I'm not usually that way. I'm, you know, more focused sometimes with a single car, but these are just the thoughts I've had, I was having. If you have a four C for a year. Okay. Yeah. It's going to be harder to live with in the comfort road trip kind of category. Yeah. On the other hand, you owned it yeah. for yeah, yeah. a year ish, nine okay. months, right. whatever. Right. And then you moved on. I know that can get expensive. I know changing cars can be very expensive yes. and yes. tax title license, all that kind of stuff. It adds up for sure. But if that's something that interests you and we back it off to, I had a ZR one for mm-hmm. a year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I listened and to classic rock the whole time. Of course. Of course. Meaning car, meaning music from the nineties. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. But anyway, the, it is interesting that he says that about how fast he's in and out of cars, about every year or two and a half years at the most. So I, I followed a similar path. I wound up somewhere different, though. Okay. Justin, what I want for you, based on the stuff you've owned, I think you need to go dedicated sports car chassis. Fair. It wasn't designed to be anything else. And honestly, I think that throws out the Mustang and Camaro, which are perfectly fine choices. I don't have a problem with your Mustang or yeah. Camaro interest. Yeah. But let's be honest. Those are cars that are trying to be lots of things. They're trying to be super muscly, and they're trying to be sports cars. And so I'm talking about cars that were built to be dedicated sports cars. I see your BRZ FRS. I actually think that's the most usable of the cars I'm going to recommend. Hmm. Most of the cars I'm going to recommend are less usable than that. They're just focused. It's just you. Sure. So get a dedicated sure. sports car. But I did say stay sports cars. I didn't go Miatas. I just was like, what's something that's a really good sports car rear-wheel drive coupe? Okay. okay. BRZ FRS, yes, I talk about them plenty. You would like that car. You would enjoy the dynamics. I think that would be wonderful. But I'm going other places. Okay. You can shop Cayman. Mm-hmm. It is possible with your budget. You could get a Cayman. And, I mean, look, get a base Cayman. Cayman's for Not all. even spend your whole budget. You could honestly get a base Cayman for like twenty five grand. And you would just like that car. And it would just run. Yeah. And you could put mileage on it. And here's the thing. If you buy a – I'm just going to pick a year. An 08 or 09, that's the first gen Cayman but middle of the run. If you go 09, you're past the IMS bearing. Buy a base Cayman for hmm. probably 25, maybe 30. That is no collector car. You just buy it. You own it. You drive it. And you sell it. There's no, But yet you have a Porsche. In people's eye, oh, you have a Porsche Cayman. <laughs> well, if you can get an ass, better. But honestly, you just we pay you car. too much money. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, you could just enjoy that car. So that's what we're out there. Also, you can buy. You brought it up, Paul, but I want to go there again. I'm a little older now, and I get, again, obviously, I was already older with '09. But C6 Corvettes like crazy, and you could do a Z06 or even a Grand Sport. Bring that now again. I'm looking at '29. 2010, I'm 10 years back instead of five. But I think based on where you've come from, you're going to find these cars surprisingly recent in feel. So okay. even though we're 10 years back instead of five, I think okay. that's a really good car there. And then one you can get, probably a 2015, but one you can get anywhere in a 10-year swath that would be a really interesting choice for you, the Nissan 370Z. Really? Why not? Okay. Because you talk about you'd, okay. you'd like a manual for the right car. You don't have to have a manual. The thing about the, the Z car is it has a really good – in fact, they pioneered it for the general public in many cases – great rev match that you can turn off. But yeah. if you're doing yeah. stop and go in that manual transmission, it's going to be fine. It also is a really good Canyon Carver. It is a dedicated car. I don't feel like you see that many of them in spite of the fact they've been around for a decade. I don't feel like you see a ton of 370Zs rolling around, but yet they're out there as used buys. And because the 2010 is the same as the 2020, buy one anywhere in that swath that you can afford that has the specs you want and be happy. Hmm. Hmm. I like it. Justin, 
Shopping is happening. I like that you've driven some things, but hopefully something in here is appealing to you. And if you've got your own debate like Justin's or you don't, that's totally fine. Right. We to read us. it all. Everyday driver TV at gmail.com or on the website. That's where you can first click the YouTube tab and then hopefully subscribe, help us out, help us there. Yeah, for the sure. Second YouTube channel. And then moving on to the contact button all the way to the right under the about tab. You can reach us there as well to send us your car conclusions, your topic Tuesdays, and of course your aforementioned debates. Thank you guys so much for the support. Summer's here, and with that comes sunshine and blistering hot car interiors. I know that leather seat seemed like a great idea at the time until you scalded your legs. All you need is a custom sunscreen from Covercraft. These foldable sunscreens fit perfectly in the windshield of your car, and they keep your car a lot cooler while you're off enjoying the sunshine or whatever you're doing. I have used these for years, and I'm telling you, I swear by them. These custom sunscreens from Covercraft are available in a whole range of colors, and they're a simple, affordable way for you to keep your car cooler all summer long and protected from damaging UV rays all year long. We swear by our custom sunscreens from Covercraft. It's one of our favorite car accessories. And remember, you can get 10% off your car sunscreen by using the code EVERYDAY right now at Covercraft.com, or you can follow the link from our sponsors page. We're back with a car debate for Colin, who who likes his peas. <laughs> he even named his email previously slobbered in. I'm t- he is shopping for the family car, and as Paul already mentioned, we have the problem, the platform, the price range, and the possibilities. But I want to focus one place. Oh. The price. Oh. Is less than $6,500. We are shopping for a car for he and his wife and their two little ones in car seats. They need more space than they currently have in her wait for it. 2004 Pontiac Grand Prix with 204,000 miles. I didn't know Grand Prix could last that long. They can if you want to throw money at them. Yeah, Mm. yeah, yeah. And this is what she has had for nine years after replacing her high school Dodge Stratus. That is a step up from a Stratus. Yes. It is indeed. And he is annoyed by the fact that the Grand Prix was a front-wheel drive, or as he said, wrong-wheel drive car. But (laughs) he does have to acknowledge that it has done really well in family duty. It's just gotten too small. Mm. Colin, thanks for writing. Like I said, I was impressed with your breakdown of your email. You had it all in there. But mostly because this is hard. It doesn't sound like this is hard, but this is very relatable. And this is very much speaking to families everywhere who mm-hmm. don't have a lot of money. They, their family is growing and they need a vehicle. They need something. But it's not a minivan. Please don't give me a minivan. That's really what I get from you, even though you said, eh, we'll kind of take either. I didn't go minivan shopping. I didn't either. Yeah. But as you said, Colin... Less than $6,500, they will not pull out a loan because they're trying to pay off their mortgage first. All right, bravo. And they are aware this means high mileage, blemishes, repairs, but Colin's done their own maintenance, you know, outside of alignments and tire mounting. So he's in there doing, you know, cool. Cool. valve like readjustments and timing belts. He's and, not scared of it. That's the key thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. I am uh, I am impressed by all these possibilities. They currently have a 91 Volvo 940 SE. That's cool. His wife actually loves the rear-wheel drive Volvo Estates, even though he's Colin's been told by his Volvo guy to stay away from the front-wheel drive Volvos, mm. angering Volvo enthusiasts everywhere. <laughs> he used to have a beautiful 94 Caprice wagon before he met his wife, so she's been tempered to appreciate them. <laughs> again, classic 90s Caprice Yes, there you go, wagon. for sure. You, again, you can listen to the music in there from, from that time period, and it's all now classic rock. I'm going to keep beating on this joke. Anyway... <laughs> Colin tried to get his wife to look at a low-mile Taurus wagon with the Duratech, but that is one wagon she will not have. No, Nobody should have that, Colin. I, I agree with her. <laughs> You're siding no. with the wife. I like it. Yeah. Keep going. Okay. Colin loves 5 Series BMW wagons, but then he admits he would that would be serving his purposes more than hers. Okay. All right. You giving kind of a guy you. Well, but he's also avoiding the fight, let's be honest. <laughs> you bought what now? I thought we talked Stickler. about did, why why is it that? Did you already pay for it? That's our car now. What if it breaks? I uh, how am I doing, Colin? Anyway. <laughs> so, in addition to that Grand Prix that with really high miles, the Volvo 940 SE, but it's going away. Mm-hmm. They also have a 96 two-wheel drive Ford Ranger extra cab. Five speed, two hundred and forty five thousand miles. Wow! Great. They're okay. used to well over a hundred thousand miles on their cars. Yeah, which is totally fine. High mileage is all is okay here for sure, which is great. That's good. Let's dive into some choices. This this was tough initially mm-hmm. because of the price. Yep. There's so many SUVs and minivans, and of course, yeah. people movers to choose from at higher price ranges. But if you want something that is 
not too bad on the maintenance, still mm-hmm. lowish kinds of miles. It's tough. I yeah, mean, it's harder fast. Here's Definitely how hard does, it yeah. was. I started out at a 2003 Ford excursion with 386,000 miles for six grand. It's got 82 cup holders and a V10. Okay. Plenty of space for the brood. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But then I went, wait, no, no, that's probably not right. <laughs> we got to really fix this. Okay. So I looked at Honda pilots. Colin. Oh, yeah. I got those on my list, too. Keep going. I looked at GMC Acadias because of the success you had yep. in 2009 when you bought that Acadia. I did buy it, and they are cheap now. It's flexible. They are cheap, cheap now, yep. Chevy Traverse, same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You find one in the, that price range, that could work. Not a minivan. Then I thought, buy the most accurate MDX you can buy for $6,500. Mm. I found you, as a matter of fact, a 2006 MDX with 128,000 miles, which is Kind of low in comparison to the okay. cars you've got. 128,000 miles for right in that price range. There's a mm. lot of MDXs in there, and I highly recommend that. They were very popular. They've only gotten refined since then, but still, great car to have. Then I thought, hmm, the car that was dropped by Mazda that could still make a comeback in their lineup, and that is the CX-7. Mm, Mazda CX-7 okay. from right. 2006 right. to 2012. Interesting. Styling, you could be there or not, but it was kind of <laughs> a smallish, but it was car, it was minivan, it was sports wagon, it was, what is it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if they brought the CX-7 back, because again, they've got this gap. They've got the CX-5, they've got yeah. the CX-9, and there's yeah. nothing in here. They've got True. three model ranges to pour into that and make <laughs> What money. on earth? you got all these numbers in the middle, and there's no cars there. They've already done, uh, while we're picking on Mazda, they've already done the CX-3 and the CX-30. Which goes between now, okay, everybody, everybody on your own time, on your own time, think math for a second. Between three and five, there's something. I forget what the number number. is. For Mazda, it's CX 30. 30 is the number between three and five. five. New math. Moving on. Then I went wildcard, Colin, an early BMW X5, like a 2001. You're used to wrenching. That's the only reason I recommend that to you, and they okay. are in that price range. I saw one earlier. They sound really cool. They look great. They haven't grown mm. like they have now. They, they haven't gotten you know, kind of big like they are. So X5 could be interesting. Mm. But finally, last choice for you here is the super-duper wild card. You like wagons, reliability. These are hard to find. They have high miles. They've been previously enjoyed. <laughs> the early 2000s Lexus IS300 Sport Cross. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Found you one with 239,000 miles for 5250. Mm. Kind of hang on to their value. I'd expect to pay 1200 for that car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be honest. But if you can find one, most of them are the sedans. The Sport mm-hmm. Cross had that little backpack thing on them, but it's not too big. Mm-hmm. You're and right. Still right. yeah, kind of yeah. small. Had that you know watch face, you know mm-hmm. instrument panel yeah, enthusiast. Very cool instrument. Enthusiast gauge. Sure. So I'm I'm looking at that again. Hard to find. I like some of these other choices. They're safer. The MDX is a safe choice. Mm-hmm. But if you want to kind of get nuts. Interesting. I like it. I like it. Some of the stuff I've got overlaps, and then I went a couple other places. And Colin, I think I may have your car. Oh, good. But I want to go some other places first. I agree with you on GMC, Acadia, and Traverse. They have not held their value. I would That's not amazing. get the first year was 09, I believe, 08, 09. I would not get the first couple of years. I would get 2010 or later if you can in your budget. I find, because I know who owns our current one. Okay. Okay. I find that uh, your quality will vary on those as they age. No kidding. They might not age well. The early ones had some injector issues. Ours, after we sold it, had every single injector replaced in the next 30,000 miles. I didn't know that. No. Believe it or not, yes. Oh, no. And the materials on the interior, some of them held up well and some of them really didn't. Now, I've seen a lot of other Acadias and Traverses from that era, and that's kind of the, the par for the course. Some of them are okay. Some of them have not held up well. So your mileage will vary there. So look into that. I do think the Honda Pilots are fine. Since you have Volvo love and Volvo history, XC90. Oh, XC90s are around in your budget. Now, be careful. The uh, the six-cylinder engine in the early XC90s was apparently a money pit, so avoid that. Mm, yeah. Be careful what engine you're getting. You can get on like Consumer Reports and other places and find that weird spike. And all those – guess what? All those six-cylinders are really cheap. There's a reason. <laughs> but there's lots of XC90s yeah. down there. Look for that. And then in the wildcard territory, before I tell you what I think might be the answer, wildcard territory, do you know what your budget is right at the bottom of? Mm. Porsche Cayennes. No. I would never actually no. go there, but 
I have a really high mile, 130 plus thousand mile Porsche Cayenne my wife and I've had for 60,000 miles and it's been excellent. Well, yours isn't, yours is still worth more than that right now, is it? Uh, yeah, a little bit, but not by much. Not by much. Ours is what? probably worth eight, eighty five hundred. No kidding. Yeah, and because ours is a 2010. Now, no a couple kidding. of things about old Cayennes. First off, uh, it, I would advise the base engine. You'll get more opportunities. The early V8s, especially up through 06, 07, had rubberized plastic hoses for some of the coolant. Guess what? Those cracked and went the way of the dodo, and sometimes the engine did too. So this is the reason that Yikes. Porsche did not make an 07 of the Cayenne. They were reworking a lot of things. There are no 07 Cayennes out there. So I typically tell people the 03s to 06 is just a void. Now, in your situation, if you got a, a base engine, you might be fine. You can do a lot of the maintenance yourself on those cars, believe it or not. Mm. You, but I just looked a minute ago. I looked, actually, for anything 08 and up. Okay, okay. And I found some. Hanging out at seven grand is 08. That's the same body style. That's the same it's generation. Still, it's still the same gen. It's just okay, that's where the point right, two start. Right. That's the second half of the first gen, which is I bought a 2010, which was the last year. Okay, but the 08s, the the 08s through the 2010s, I would recommend one of those to you all day long. The problem is they're like literally the bottom of those is seven grand. I had no idea they were down that, that low, and I'm all about that because every so, time I get in yours, I'm going. Yeah. Well, this is great. It honestly, Solid. and and having been honestly in our old Acadia recently. The difference is stark between how well our Cayenne has held up and how well that Acadia has held up. Amazing. So if you can do some of the maintenance yourself, I, look, I will admit, the problem with a Porsche is that when it needs stuff, especially if you get it done by somebody, it is probably 20, 25 more expensive than another car. But if you can do it yourself, the reliability is pretty high. Right. And there's so, only one problem with the Porsche. There's just one problem. The right. problem. That's it. There's no <laughs> okay, more problems but I'm talking about maintaining one. So anyway, so there's the Cayenne. That's my wild card. And then the car I think you might be right for. You don't want front-wheel drive. You don't want a minivan. You want more space to haul kids. You like wagons. Your wife has Dodge history. My friend, you need a Dodge Magnum. Are Magnums down that low? The Dodge Magnum is cheap now. Very cheap. Go get yourself a Dodge Magnum and have a nice day. What? Yes, Dodge Magnums. That's the big. This was the Chrysler 300 in wagon form. You're making podcast history. It's, I don't know that we've ever recommended a Magnum. It's the Dodge. It's the Dodge Charger of that early 2000s era, but in wagon form. They're they're still cool looking. I gotta admit, they're just they're mean looking. You're looking for something that can be slobbered in and probably already has been fine. Lots of plastic in that interior will be fine. Lots of space because it's the charger with a wagon back. You know what this means, Colin, is you could buy a crate Hellcat motor. <laughs> if you're interested in maintenance, you want to wrench something. Dodge has Dodge. Could, you could make a Hellifant Magnum. What? That is. Excellent. A elephant magnum, ladies and gentlemen. I didn't expect us to wind up there, but there we go. Hopefully well that helps. Well done. Well done. I like that a lot. Lots of questions we got to get to, but I love design questions. They're mm -hmm. low-hanging fruit for me. Alvin T. asks me a sports car steering wheel aesthetic question. Does this matter to me? Alvin feels certain steering wheels turn him off, especially in relation to how the rest of the car looks. The main example would be Lexus, as Alvin feels the centerpiece always looks too big and dated even on the LC, doesn't match the sporty character. Even some of BMW's new steering design on their sports cars looks like it fits better in more of the comfort and luxury range, not their sports cars. Alvin likes those on the Mazda, especially newer ones. Is it subjective? Yes, certainly it is, but steering wheels need to fall in this, under the same criteria as wheels for the car. You've heard mm -hmm. me talk about you know, lots of spokes, nine spoke wheels are kind of a balance between sport and luxury. Yeah. More yeah. spokes or a flatter design, that kind of thing indicates more of a luxury look. Whereas a five spoke thin wheels, well that, you know, we're talking racing right there. So that balance, that's that steering wheel, the thing you engage the most with when you're driving needs to say that same kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But think about this, Alvin, I will go to Porsche to use that as an example. The late nine, nine, one cars and the nine, nine, two are influenced by the 918 Spider steering wheel. Yeah. It's a great design, looks fantastic. I love it. The design relates to nothing on the exterior. <laughs> okay. But it relates to motorsports. Sure. Very much sure, sure. so. Okay. It's yeah. a clean design. They've embraced it. I love it. I'd love to put that in everything I own. Okay. It's great looking. Now it doesn't actually match everything I own, but you know what I mean. Yeah. So in that case, the steering wheel, the design there does not necessarily match 
the styling, but it matches the intent of the car. And mm, then mm. that just means it comes down to that subjective preference. I still think BMW steering wheels, especially on the new cars, are too thick. Mm, they're they're yeah. chunky and huge, and it almost kind of detracts from the control of the car. Almost. Not mm. quite, but it's just the interaction there. It's too thick. I think Porsche right is in the sweet spot. I mm. like Hyundai, what mm. they're doing. That's in the sweet spot. It's it's a thing. It's a very big deal. Yeah. But yes, it really does come down to kind of what you like. Unfortunately, it's not like steering wheels are as swappable as wheels for your car. That's the only downside. This is true. You know, have you noticed a few people have sent it to us. There's an article floating around on the web right now <laughs> about door close sounds are manufactured to, <laughs> to give the impression of quality. And I'm thinking of this not only because it's your thing, and it's a real thing, not only because it's your thing. I was not at all surprised to hear this, by the way. But the thing that's funny is you've now infected my son with this. I have? Yes. He is quite concerned with the door yes. slam sound of everything he gets out of. And what's funny is the the collision, if you will, between his now a paying attention door slam sounds and his love for the Lotus, <laughs> which has one of the worst door closed sounds you've heard in quite some time. I've actually I'm – I'm not a guy that like – worries about that but i almost am taking off that door panel and putting in some dynamat just to settle it down a bit are you because serious? it has a terrible clang when it closes <laughs> to the point that the last time he got out of the car and closed it he was like that doesn't sound good does it i said no it really doesn't son <laughs> so yeah you've infected him forever so one of the things lotus was not worried about apparently was how does the door close because it get it, it, i think the, the discussion was is it closed yes it is and we're moving on but <laughs> apparently gonna... that is a manufactured thing uh gotta go outside asked a question on instagram said how long after buying a new car is it okay to stop treating it as precious um there's a real personal struggle in this question but i'm going to go to go obnoxious about it and that is do you own the car <laughs> then it's your car. It's it's just look. You bought a brand new thing. We we all do this. I don't care what you bought that was brand new. You buy a brand new thing, and it's the greatest thing ever. And you're nicer to it than you will be a year from now. That's just life, people. I get it. But what I would recommend to you is, what are you worried about? Because whatever you just bought as a new car, life's going to happen to it. It's going to get dirty. Things are going to happen. I'm not suggesting in any way, shape, or form. I'm not suggesting just be throwaway about it and don't care. Absolutely care. But see if you can care with a headspace of it's a thing and stuff is going to happen. And I think that headspace yeah. is helpful to yeah. strive for, not ac- not accomplish, I realize, but strive for the minute you start driving at home. Because who knows? Stuff is going to happen to all of our stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I would also yeah. say if you're very concerned about things like paint and that kind of stuff, get the entire car protection filmed. Sure, sure. And then that creates a layer, literal and figurative, of you just being like, it'll be okay. It'll be all right. So if you're really concerned, that's a way to kind of head that off at the pass. But I think you have to – I walk this line with my son on all of our cars, on press cars. Sure, I'm sure. always like on one level, it's it's a car. It's just a thing. Not nearly as important as you or any of the other people that I know, but on another level, respect it enough yeah. to be nice to it. Yeah. yeah and if exactly. you can find that middle ground, I think that's what we're all hoping for. Interesting. All right. I think you need to touch on this question from Clay Uh-oh. H., whose wife writes, well, his wife has had a Wrangler for her daily since high school. Okay. She insists there is an unspoken rule between Wrangler drivers to give a quick Jeep wave a fast wave from your steering wheel hand. Yeah. So you leave yeah, your yeah. hand there apparently and it's just oh, yeah, yeah. maybe fingers or just a little little wave mm-hmm. every time you pass another oncoming Wrangler. <laughs> so whenever Clay is driving her Wrangler and forgets to do the wave, she immediately calls him out as, you know, she, he's ruining her street cred for <laughs> Wrangler street cred. <laughs> but he's just trying to watch the road, he says. So are there other unspoken quirks like this between vehicle makes or are Wrangler owners nuts? I, I mean, a unique breed. Yeah. Sorry. No, I, honestly, that's not a Wrangler thing. That is so many manufacturers have it. Many of you ch- chimed in in the questions and made comments about Miatas and Subarus and lots of other things. This exists a lot. And it's very funny how it's just this little acknowledgement of the fact that I like, you know what it's a carryover from? Growing up, my grandparents, my dad's parents, lived in a town of 1,100 people. That's small. With one blinking yellow light. Not even a stoplight, mind you. A blinking yellow light on Main Street. Like a pay attention, there's another road intersecting. That's as far as it got. (laughs) And I remember 
when I was a kid, but especially right around the time I started driving. And of course it was farm country. So I started driving at like 14 when I'd visit there, lots of things went wrong, but I really started noticing when I was driving, it was still a town where you drove by anybody and you waved. Okay, sure. When you were just, you were driving down the road and you waved. You yeah. just, you lifted fingers off to acknowledge that other person. Cities have gotten so big. We've all gotten so separated that that died long ago. It sure. was like one of the sure. last bastions I've seen of it mm. until I moved to my current neighborhood. Mm. And when I moved to my current neighborhood, now, now we have an entire neighborhood of like 70 homes across the street from me. When I first moved in, there were five of us on my street. Right, right. And the first time I turned the corner, everybody waved. Anytime you drove by any of the neighbors, because there were five of us, and we all just kind of like fingers off the steering wheel waved. Which is cool, Which is very cool. It's very cool. My point here is, this is your club. Mm. You have a Wrangler. That has brought you down, for another way to put it, that has brought you down to your little community, your little city where we all acknowledge each other. Mm. You're not in trouble Mm. for not, but many cars have this. The one that, I've never felt more left out than one of them, though. Okay. Motorcycle guys. Really? The way have you noticed how they do it? Oh sure. They always wave, but they always wave low. Have you noticed this? Yeah. It's down by the pavement. Very much so. It's a couple fingers down by yep. the pavement. And yep. the bikers all do it. And and when I'm in the lotus, I'm like, I should be able to do that wave. Have you seen this car? <laughs> if you stick your arm straight out, you're just as low as I'm the almost a bike. I could I could do this. But anyway, yes, everybody has it. Oh, that's funny. All right. Uh let's see. John Glass says he's going to the Rensport Dragon Rally in October. Will be his first rally. Any tips or suggestions for driving in a group rally setting? Hmm. Bring expectations that you're not going to be going very fast because hmm. if it's a large rally, by the time, you know, the accordion effect happens and cars get strung out, hopefully you've all got a way of communicating with each other that usually doesn't happen it'd be ideal if everybody had radios in their cars so yeah, yeah, yeah. you know it's just more of a listen hey the leaders go and laugh so you don't get broken off and you know we've experienced that people mm-hmm. just don't know where to go but yeah. hopefully you've got directions of the route where you're mm-hmm. going everybody has that but don't expect hey everybody's going to really know and understand how to drive rally means different things to different people yeah it does yeah and you're going to be wanting to like get some speed and take a corner. Or you're going to be backing off from the person in front of you so you can do the run-up thing and Possibly, take your favorite yeah. corner or whatever. Mm-hmm. In a rally setting, you're just kind of cruising, really. Also, try – many, many people on the rally will fail. Try to separate yourself from ego. Indeed. This Indeed. is not intent to offend you or your driving or whatever because it's when people are on a rally and they start to do the, the hold my beer, watch this kind of thing or the I'm going to show you. Those two demeanors lead to when people get the extra big tickets or the wrecks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right. What else? Tommy uh, Perez asks on Facebook if we've seen – I actually haven't seen Smoking Tire. Matt Farah, a good friend, review of the Supra 2-liter. Oh. He said he did not like it very much. How do we feel when people feel differently about a car than we do? Here's the thing. First off, Tommy, we're we're good friends with Matt. We really like Matt. He's an amazing guy, and he does his stuff really, really well. Yeah, yeah. We've disagreed with him many times. Sure. That would, and honestly, I could think up all kinds of reviewers, and I can think about, I feel totally different about that car than he does. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. interesting when we align or when we, we diverge, okay? But I don't take in everybody's everything. So right. I often don't right. even know. Like I haven't even seen Matt's two-liter. The super piece that we did of the three-liter with the two-liter, I know my headspace was very much what's the difference in these two cars in relation to each other? True. And who are the buyers for each? And I was less thinking about how do they relate to their competition. Fair. I suspect Fair. that Matt in that two-liter was thinking, why does this exist when other things exist at forty-five grand? Which sure. is a conversation we get into more in our stepbrother's piece. I agree that kind of thinking indicates there can only be one car in the category that takes all because it's the best price and it does the best thing and the best performance. So that's the car everybody should buy. Manufacturers don't look at it like that. They're looking at a whole bunch of different kinds of things. And like Todd said, you know, we definitely respect other opinions and everybody consumes all this car content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the designers and engineers at every car company is consuming all the same kind of media. <laughs> yeah, so hello car. if you are. Hello yeah, to everyone. For sure. But you, you want to take that person's, you know, what they're saying. You think, okay, in context and they're driving like that. Okay, I see. And you might disagree with them having not driven yes. the car, but you think, uh, I'm not sure you're doing it right for me. Other times you think, okay, I totally trust and believe you because you seem to know what you're doing or whatever that is. So there's just a wide variety and you have to take in all this content. Yeah. But yeah. ultimately it comes down to your own opinion. Of well, that but car. this is the whole 
premise of why you and I started the show with the two of us. Because yeah. while yeah. you guys know by listening, often we align. Sometimes we aren't anywhere close to each other. And that's kind of fun in its own way, too. And one of the big things I always wanted is you're watching something and you decide, well, if Paul likes it and Todd doesn't, I, Todd never knows what he's talking about. Or vice versa. Vice versa, too. Sure. We, we, want, sure. we want you guys to have one of us that you kind of typically more align with. And so if that person goes toward the car, you're like, well, I must like it. But mm-hmm. I remember, honestly, this is, this is going back to the genesis of the okay. show. Okay. I used to watch Siskel and Ebert yeah. when they were both alive and they were doing that show together. And what I found is if Gene Siskel liked a film mm-hmm. and Roger Ebert didn't, I would like it. Okay. But if they both liked it, I would love it. Really? But if Roger Ebert was like, this was great, and Jesus was like, what is up with this film? I wouldn't like that movie. No kidding. And I really wanted from the beginning of this show us to have that for the audience, where you find one of the two of us, and you go, oh, I typically align with him. And that'll help you navigate, because this is the difficulty of all of these reviews, is where are you in headspace or life experience or interest in relation to the person doing the reviewing? Mm -hmm. Very true. I think what you're trying to say is that if both of us hate a car, you're really going to hate it. Hopefully, but maybe not. But <laughs> no, you, I, you may drive it anyway and be like, those guys don't know anything. Idiots, yeah. I hope that's what we've cultivated, to be honest. I hope that is what you listening get out of the show as well, because that's what we want. Question on here from Instagram from Mystic Negro, who says, I was this year old when I found that Suzuki Samurai rally cars are real and a popular thing. <laughs> found out just now. <laughs> this just happened. <laughs> The question is, has there ever been a car that has a use case and was both blindingly obvious and completely surprising to you? Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, okay. Honda Fit race cars. There you go. What? There you go. Yeah. Fit, and they're competitive, and Uh they're awesome. (laughs) They're these caged little bullets. It's very funny, yeah. Chance has taken multiple photos of Honda Fits run by whoever the race team is, Lifting both wheels. They hit a curb and they're like in the air yeah. <laughs> going fast. I'm like, that's a fit. Yeah. It's a fit. Yeah. It's a God, what? They're it's a race car. Down. Gunning people down because of uh, maintaining speed. That's very, very funny. I, you like that. That's great. Cutler Colin 99 asks a winter tire question. We're not quite there yet, but he's, he's eyeing winter. You and I are eyeing the next challenge cars, which are going to go through the winter. And we're about to give yes. away the big sedan. So there's lots of yes. transition going on. He has, Cutler has a uh, Jetta TDI. And he has a Mazda Miata. And he typically has used the Jetta all winter. But it is pretty high mileage now, 215,000 miles. And uh, he doesn't know if he really wants to get it through another winter. And he's never put winter tires on the Miata. Should he sell the Jetta, walk with a little bit of money, put winter tires on the Miata, and drive the Miata all winter? And the short answer to this question is absolutely. (laughs) Your concern at the end is you said you're concerned about someone smashing into the Miata in the snow. I mean, honestly, man. You can't control or decide for that purpose because somebody could smash into your Jetta. I mean, that's the truth. If if somebody else is going to lose control in the snow, you can't really protect for that. Your Miata is not – I mean, look, your Miata is a 93. It's not – you mentioned it's not like the best – like a concourse car. It's just a Miata. Yeah. So worst case, you could buy another Miata. They made more. Okay, so sure, sure. Now, defense wise, you don't want to be hit by the enormous dually truck that thought that four wheel drive was enough. And so he still has his uh, all seasons on there. You don't be hit by him. I get it. Look, I drive a Lotus. I feel you. But I think you should put winter tires on it and just enjoy that car all winter. Since it's not precious to you, I say absolutely. I think you'll be really happy you did. I mean, anything can happen. Like an inattentive driver can just back into the side of your Cayman GTS with a Suburban. (laughs) That's weird. You say that like you've heard of happening. That's really bizarre. Okay. Last question for me as we wrap things up. We've got to truncate a little bit today, but Braille Swanee asks, should Polestar vehicles be called just Volvos? <laughs> Since you have to go there to get or a one or a two anyway, would be so less confusing to explain the identical interiors. I disagree. Okay. I want choice. Okay. I want the proliferation of brands, and especially because of how it was explained to me. By Polestar people, who are very nice, by the way, back in 2017 at the Monterey Car Show, and Chance and I went and just walked over and started talking to them because they were introducing the Polestar 1. They hadn't had them on the market quite yet, but this is a $155,000 technological tip of the spear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for them as a company to start putting all this new tech and still trying to call it a Volvo, they figured it would be difficult for their consumer base and future consumers to make the differentiation. It's Mm. kind of along the lines of your Phaeton. 
Mm. Volkswagen introduced a $90,000 car point. alongside a GTI. Interesting point. And okay. customers are going, what? Why am I here? I came in for a Jetta. Why do you have that? Yeah. Volkswagens aren't yeah. expensive. They're, come on. And so even though Volvos are a premium brand, mm. they wanted to mm. differentiate their future tech and their future carbon fiber investigation and chassis sure, and sure, sure. you know hybrid and electrification and push that out here mm. to make it. Okay, I'm getting something special. I'm, you know, I'm I'm still in the Volvo family, but I'm I'm differentiating myself, and that comes down to consumer choices too. When you make what you think is a really discerning choice, buying a brand name that nobody else knows about, you kind of feel good about it. You <laughs> yeah. kind of feel like I've discovered something nobody else knows. I'm a discerning customer. I know more than you do. Kind of, yeah. And so that's where Polestar is pushing. Again, it's really more of a brand to showcase their technology. Genesis is doing it now with Hyundai. Yeah, you're right. They absolutely. could have yep. continued on what they were doing, just bring out luxury cars under the Hyundai brand name. We're going, mm-hmm. Hyundai Elantras are like 21 grand. But we've got Acura, Infiniti, Lexus, yes. Genesis. This is all of that same thinking, for yes. sure. Yes. So to do that as the car world is continuing to proliferate and push out new versions and you know new sizes, I, I didn't know that that was a size that I needed. The CX-30 is the number between, between three and five. Between three and five is 30, just yeah. so you know. Yeah. So for that reason, I say bring the choice, bring the differentiation, because it makes me think, ah, I'm looking at Polestar. It's not just – and with the the link that Polestar had to Volvo as a performance brand mm-hmm. pushes it even further. You think, ah, discerning. I'm performance and sport and tech and – yeah, and then that's we avoid the uh, inappropriate jokes that come with the name Polestar. Indeed, yes. I had to leave it there. I'm sorry. I couldn't resist. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. Again, more than we can get to. We're continuing to do that. Please keep asking. We really appreciate it. And bring your questions as, as we ask uh, for Mondays and Thursdays yep. for release on Tuesdays and Fridays. Check out the second YouTube channel. Again, hitting everydaydriver.com, YouTube tab, and the second channel. It's going to be populated with content, and we will make a bigger splash when it's finally all, yeah, for sure. all there. Guys, thank you so much. Looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.